LGBTQ checkpoints, intergender boxing matches, and Wayne Brady. This ain't your mama's podcast. It's the Chico Demanwell Show. Let's get it. Find up right now, you should too. So I wanted to use this segment, try to come up with something different here. I was gonna call it uh, Sigma Male 101. Cause it's just, I don't know who, if it's a guy, if it's a group or whatever, but they make these videos on YouTube and it's under the name Wise Thinker. And they talk a lot about Sigma Males. And the more I listen to these videos, the more I deeply identify with them and feel like it's like weird to some creepy ass guy who I don't know can just talk about me so accurately. So. I watched this video earlier called 11 reasons why Sigma males ignore you. And then I was listening to these reasons. I was like, fuck yeah, I probably ignored somebody for every one of these reasons. So I just wanted to touch on them real quick, offer a little feedback and uh, get the show on the road. So 11 reasons why Sigma males ignore you. Before I get started on that, I'm firing up right now. You should too. I ain't got no hiccups going on in this bullshit. Okay. All right. Yes. So number one. Number what? Judging them without knowing them. And I think we all, we all instinctually do this a little bit to some degree. Like we judge somebody before we had a time, time to sit down and figure out who they are most a lot of people who i've known and befriended to some degree have told me they thought i was an asshole until they sat down and talked with me and they realized i'm a pretty even keel reasonable guy but a lot of times i can tell like people have heard something about me that i didn't tell them like something has been spread about me some type of rumor or some shit which is very rare for me because i don't get into shit and i don't care to hear about drama and all that but it's like i can tell like somebody's already looking at me it's like you know if you got a friend that talks about a friend and they don't necessarily like say something bad, but they've just kind of told you some things about them that are generally unflattering. So now when you finally meet this person, you're already primed to look at them like, oh, this motherfucker did it. He got this going on. Like, you know, you don't get the fair, you don't get the fair first impression that you should get. 
And when I can tell people are doing that to me, I generally do nothing. I don't go out of my way to make myself more likable or more anything. Like, if you want to know something, come ask. Because if I want to know something about you, I'm going to do the same thing. Like, it's just the way I treat people, so it's the way I expect to be treated. I think it's generally acceptable. I don't think it's an unreasonable demand to have. Like, if somebody wants to get to know me, come get to know me and stop talking about me when I'm not in the fucking room. I hate that shit. I step in the room, go in the bathroom, motherfuckers have a whole discussion about me. Then when I come out of the bathroom, motherfuckers are all upright and shit and acting like they wasn't saying nothing. Like, I'm fucking stupid. You know? So that's number one. Number two tired of hearing complaints without actions and like oh my god in vegas this would happen constantly this would happen non-stop in vegas motherfucker would be complaining about how they trusted somebody to do this or they gave somebody such and such money or they handed somebody such and such dope and they went and did this and they went and did that and it's like the same person it's like you've been dealing with this person for years you've been dealing with this behavior for years but it's like you almost need this behavior in order for you to have something to talk about when I come around. Like, rest assured, I've got my own list of gripes and complaints and shit I don't like. And everybody vents. Like, I don't mind venting. You know, you just got to get the shit off your chest. I don't necessarily need the feedback. I just need to bounce this off another human individual just so I'm like, you know, heavy, many hands make light work. So that's just how I look at it in terms of like venting. But some of these people, this is their this is their marquee. This is what draws you into them. This is the only appeal they have to offer. It's complaining about the same shit that the same person did so many fucking times. And it's like you can't you can't ever really at a certain point I just don't give a fuck. You still complain about the same dude who you say treats you like a booty call, but you keep giving them ass. Like, shut up. Nobody wants to hear that shit. If you want to be respected, keep your pants on, bitch. You just keep letting this dude fucking and kick you out and fucking and kick you out. What else is he supposed to think? What else is he supposed to do? Dumb, dumb. Number three, you take up too much time. So I've had people like this, generally people who I plan to do an event with or we're going to do something. And I say, hey, yo, I'm going to be there in like such and such minutes. So be ready. I give them a heads up because I want to just show up, collect them and get the fuck out of here. But it's like even every time I do that, I show up and I got to wait for a motherfucker to finish washing his dishes. So I got to wait for him to tie his shoe or he got to read his kid a bedtime story. Or he got to hit 50 pushups or he got to walk his goldfish or he got to like swallow a cloud. Like it's always this long ass impromptu list of things that you got to do, even though I gave you a heads up saying that I was on the way and I gave you we, we agreed upon a time that we were going to do whatever this event was. So that's two failures of punctuality. That was three. Sorry. Two failures of punctuality. It's like we can't even make plans in advance and then we can't even prepare to fulfill the plan. Like, why the fuck do I got to sit around and wait on you to do all this shit? Like, I'm going to just stop and I'm not going to even invite you to shit. I know every time I show up, I got to wait an hour. I got to walk with you here. I got to do this. We got to finish this last minute. You ain't never got your shit in order. I don't have time for that shit. Be ready when the fuck I say be ready or get the fuck out of my face. Like, I really don't want all, I don't give a fuck about your excuse. Everybody's got a good reason why they didn't do whatever they, do, they was going to do when they said they was going to do it. I generally don't give a fuck. Just let me know it's not going to happen, and then we can either reschedule or we can just drop this shit. I don't got time for a bunch of fucking always got something to do ass niggas when we didn't already have some shit in order. That shit's, ugh. Number four, too talkative, doesn't listen. I've said this before. If you got all the answers, you need new questions. I don't know how many times I've sat and talked with people and it's like instead of an exchange of ideas, they're on a crew, they're on a mission to like make sure everything you say is met with some kind of rebuttal, some kind of just and then, or when you try to talk, 
you wait, you listen, and you you realize you're waiting for the sentence to kind of reach a natural end, but you realize this motherfucker isn't gonna shut up. So they keep going and keep going, and you try to interject. He's like, wait, but but what if you look at it, but what but wait, listen, hold on, wait, bro, bro. It's like, man, I've been listening to this, this run-on sentence for a fucking eternity. Like, if you're gonna do this shit, I'm either troll you while we're talking. Because, like, I'm assuming I'm in a position where I can't just get up and walk away, which is what I would do. But if I got to sit here, I'm going to just troll you. Or I'm going to just talk over you. Like, this conversation ain't just going to be, I'm going to just talk until you shut up. You got to shut up at some point. You cannot be an endless stream of words. And if those tactics don't work, I'm just done. Like, mentally, I'm detached from this conversation. Like, I don't, I don't want to give a fuck to just listen to somebody that's not going to listen to me. That's that's what that is the inherent agreement upon conversations. Like I listen to you, you listen to me. Not one asshole rambles endlessly about some shit I can remotely give a fuck about. You know. Number five, you don't get them even if you think you do. So it's like, yeah, you know, I get it. The human experience. We all been in some similar situations, but it's basically just people perpetrating. Like when you talking about something, and they just like. Like, I've had people talk about this, like, talk to me this way when, about when I talk about poker. It's like, yeah, man, sometimes I go to a couple poker tournaments, I buy in with 100 bucks and cash out for, like, 400 I'm like, you cash out in a poker tournament? Like, what's a big blind? Like, if you don't, if you don't understand, like, if you don't know the life of a poker player, don't talk that shit. Like, you know, if you've never really grinded, if you've never really rolled some swings, if you ain't really took no beats, like, shut up. Like, you don't have to pretend to know poker just because that's what I'm talking about. And you think that's going to win me over. Like, this conversation is usually, conversation of this nature is usually a very, very small bargaining chip in terms of what I give a fuck about enough to make me hang and interact with people. Like, and I'll know you're doing it anyways. And it's just, I'll just kind of make that mental note. I may not address it right then, but I'll know it and just keep going and just write you off as a fucking phony, you know, and I will distance myself from you because I don't really care to hang around phony because I'm not a phony individual. That's almost a problem nowadays to have such a good quality is like nobody else has that quality. So it almost waters down the validity of it when you got so many other motherfuckers who don't value truth and honesty and loyalty and consistency and all that kind of shit. You just you just swimming amongst goofballs. Number six. They get tired of answering the same boring questions all the time, which is why I hate small talk. I hate people coming to work and saying, hey, how was your weekend? Like, hey, good morning. How, how's your morning going? Like, why the fuck do you, you don't really care how my morning was going? If you care about how my morning was going, you'd be actively fighting to be a part of it. What do you think my morning was? I woke up, got dressed, and trans com, commuted to work. The fuck? I, and yes, I understand what the weather is. I just came in from it. Like, I don't work outside, so yeah, I just walked indoors. I know what the weather's like. We don't gotta say, oh, it's getting hot in the summer. It's getting cold in the winter. Like, who gives a fuck? I don't want to talk about the weather. I don't want to talk about the Detroit Pistons. I don't want to talk about fucking horoscopes. I want to talk about stupid shit. So if you, if you all you got to offer is small talk, like we just going to naturally drift apart because I need a lot more stimulation in terms of conversation. If I'm going to physically place myself in front of another individual in, in elapsed time talking about bullshit. No. Number seven, they sense your true intentions. I can definitely, it's like, I've been in so many situations, like, at this point, I just trust my gut. Like, I don't need my gut to be right, but it's like, I know my gut has been through much and seen so much and can read into what the fuck is going on where I can tell whether somebody's got my best interest at heart or whether I'm going to get fucked over. And what people fail to understand is even if you fine-tune this intuition to, like, its highest, most 
the most elite it can be, like even if you get it to that point, like it's still liable to commit errors sometimes. Like you never gonna have a one hundred percent bullshit radar. Okay, so it's like, you know, I could just tell people, I could just see how they move, I see how they interact with people, I see their mannerisms, like I see like how they how they value certain things and how they treat the things that they value. Like I'm I'm very, very, very intuitive and I peep all of that shit and it all gets registered. Like I can tell like if a motherfucker come in the house one day and you set something here, or you come in the house and you set something here the next day, like what was going on, like what was your situation, and like you know, it may be minutia in that moment. But I'm using all that to compile a dasha about you and figure out the type of person you are, regardless of what you're going to tell me. Because everybody fucking lies. Everybody lies. But I, the way I put, see it is, like, to be a good liar, you have to be good at telling the truth. Like, if you don't know what truth sounds like, what good is a lie? What good is a lie nobody believes? Like, it's just, it's just horse shit. But a believable lie emulates honesty. It emulates truth. It emulates something that when somebody runs it through their processing system, it checks out. So if you don't know how to tell the truth, you can't be a good liar. So I just go from there and work my way down. I can kind of piece somebody out. Give me like a half hour talking with them. You know, I can pretty much tell if it's going to be worth my time or not. Sometimes not even that long. Number eight, this is a big one. They feel disrespected. Even to this day, as, as good as I've become an anger control and like anger management and not letting my emotions get the best of me. Like when I feel like overtly disrespected, it's all, it always skips all the anger management processes and goes straight to fucking infuriation rage. Like I could black out like, and I try not to be that guy, but like when motherfuckers just outright disrespected me or somebody just cut into me without having an appropriate rapport, like motherfuckers just think shit sweet. They think because they see me and I'm kind of nerdy or I'm like, real, real philosophical and composed and shit that I won't get up and beat the fuck out your funny looking ass. Like, and I don't, I necessarily don't want to prevent people from that. That, that ass whooping I'm about that I be finna deliver could be the breaking point in their life to get these motherfuckers to, to, to get off whatever tip they on. Cause like, I don't tolerate disrespect. I don't tolerate it. It's not something that sits well with me. It's not something I'm going to just laugh off. Like I don't necessarily need revenge, but it's like, I don't forget life goes on i have a feeling about it and i'm and i identify with that feeling but life goes on it's like i'll i'll get my revenge if it's convenient for me if it's if it lends itself to me then fuck yeah i'm gonna take my revenge out on you but if i gotta exert physical effort or personal time just to get even with you it's too late you've already created the imbalance that makes me not fuck with you no more so it's like What's the purpose of trying to fix that shit? Like, you need to fix the imbalance. You created it. So why am I going to go out of my way to commit a vengeful act when I'm not the one that, that initiated the vengeful act? I don't need to do anything. You need to be doing something. Otherwise, fuck you. I don't tolerate disrespect. When motherfuckers disrespect me, it ain't no t second, third, fourth, and fifth and chance. Maybe. And I mean, that's a hard maybe you get a second chance. After that second chance, you blow that shit, you're dead to me. You're a non-playable character. Your existence has no value, meaning, acknowledgement, or purpose in my life whatsoever. And that's just that. I'm not mad at you. I'm not happy with you. Because you don't exist. I don't fuck with disrespect at all. Number nine, they feel uncomfortable around you. That's how I felt when I was living in that dope house before I went to Vegas. It, it was certain people that would just come around and, like, the mood would just change. And then, like, you got to read the room, and like, you can tell, like, somebody who was talking to might be silent and all in their phone now, or, like, somebody might get up and reposition themselves within the room, or the topic of people's conversation might suddenly change, or, like, you know, like, 
music volume might go down, like all kind of shit that wasn't necessarily a part of the flow leading up to this. All of that shit I notice and I peep. So it's like if a motherfucker vibe is off, if I can't leave the situation, which is always the first, like put, put myself somewhere else. That's always my first attempt at fixing something. If I can't do that, then I just keep my eye on this person. I, I keep the conversation real short and... That's when I small talk, you know, because like I don't, I want to non-verbally give off the the cue that I don't really want to talk to you. Like I don't fuck with you. Like my first judgment may be wrong, but I'm going with it. I don't need my first judgment to be right. I just need it to guide me. I don't need a hundred percent accuracy with it because that's that's just not like I just needed to guide me consistently and well enough for me to trust it more often than I don't. If that's the case, boom, I got a bad vibe about you, and I need time before I sit here and chum up with your ass. Fuck that. Number 10, they feel lost in their thoughts, don't want to be disturbed. Like, I'm always lost in my thoughts. And when I am that way, I generally go somewhere by myself. I don't tell anywhere where I'm, anyone where I'm going. And I just embrace, like, it's usually somewhere in nature, somewhere quiet, somewhere secluded. And I just, you know, I really just think about the future. Like, I process shit out. I look at, like, am I lying to myself? Am I bullshitting myself? Like, where's my life headed? Like, blah, 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 blah. I ask myself all these questions. If I'm feeling strong emotion about something, if I need like to cry or some shit and it's, I'm pr in private, I'll cry it out. I'll handle it. Like I, I get, I balance my emotional checkbook. Like I make sure I'm not walking around still carrying the, the, the grief or the, the resentment or just a whatever. Now, sometimes even too much happiness from a situation. Like, like when you, when you was on the top, you're on the top. But once you're not there no more, like you just, that's has being taught, you know? So I just try to make sure I'm being current. I'm keeping up with myself. Like, cause it's real easy to get caught up in your day to day life and like forget, lose track of where you at. And that ain't cool. And number 11 is immediately recognize manipulation and control tactics. Like now this, I'm super hip to. This was like the bulk of my experience in Las Vegas dealing with these individuals, like being naive enough to think everybody is like, you know, moving with their best interests at heart, let alone yours. Like it made me cynical. But it was like a healthy cynical for Las Vegas because you can't really trust anybody because it's such a transient town and it's such a landing zone for so many broken and downtrodden and just 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 depressed individuals. Like these motherfuckers have like crossed a threshold in which like it would take some miraculous divine event for them to recover for such from such a blow, whatever happened to them in their life, you know. So with motherfuckers, like you, you can usually tell because like a motherfucker tries to like behave in a way that would constitute a relationship that would have needed to have been in place longer or require a degree of rapport or some kind of shared experience or trauma or something that would even make us want to see each other again so if you're trying to like assume that role and skip the time necessary part that's usually like a guaranteed formula for like somebody that's trying to manipulate me over motherfucker like just seem rushed or like just you know they seem too comfortable doing things that's like could be perceived as disrespectful or just like sometimes is disrespectful. I just don't, I, mm -mm. nope. The first opportunity I get, I just leave you. I don't owe you anything. You don't owe me anything. I can't even expect, I can't even have a, a minute expectation of something honest and reliable from you. So why should you get it from me? Yeah, I might've said I was going to do something with you, but at any given point, I might opt out of that shit, say, fuck you and, and dip out. Cause if that's the case, it's fuck you over before you fuck me over. Cause I don't want to get fucked over. And I know just dealing with you introduces the opportunity of getting fucked over into my, into my life. So that's something I take rather seriously. 
when motherfuckers is on some bullshit, I can usually spot it out. I can usually talk it out and think it out and realize it. And I don't really end up in a lot of snafus because I'm, I'm, I'm hip to the bullshit and I don't fuck around with these weird ass motherfuckers on some other shit, talking a language I'm not vibing with, trying to achieve goals that ain't in line with mine. Like, no, if the shit don't serve me, it's fucking dead. And that's kind of in the story regarding that shit. LGBTQ community receiving priority lanes for checkpoints. Users angry as they are not disabled. Courtesy of the Independent News. Story by Asir F. In the Philippines, a recent viral photo shows a checkpoint in the San Isidro District Office. Conservatives are seeing this as an opportunity to mock the LGBTQ community as some places are recognizing them as a disability. There are several online commenters backlashing the checkpoint for doing as such. According to spot.ph, a notice display at the LTO San Isidro District Office in Isabella has drawn attention for incorporating, quote, LGBTQ. Furthermore, this is alongside categories such as senior citizens, pregnant women, and persons with, persons with disabilities within its priority lane. Following that, a photograph of the sign is circulating online, prompting conversations and notably criticism. The online community, including many LGBTQ individuals, has expressed dissatisfaction with the special treatment suggested by the sign. Okay. In addition to this, those on Twitter are now stating that it's hilarious that the Philippines are lumping the queer community with those who are physically and mentally disabled. Furthermore, it appears that many feel it is a jab towards the community. Because normal people categorize this LGBTQ as mental illness. I was just getting ready to say that. They got a tweet here with Seth Myers, or it's a gif. It says duh, but like, yeah, I, I was just getting ready to say. I almost want I wanted to say it right then, but I wanted to finish reading the article so I could just go on my thoughts. But like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, unfortunately, there are several homophobic remarks towards the community. Conservatives are stating that people are viewing them as people with mental illness. However, this is not a fair comment towards the community. However, others are stating that this is not a win for the community as it is clearly an insult. Following that, the Twitter users are asking if anyone can claim to be a member of the LGBTQ community to enjoy the priority lane. There are others who are replying to this statement claiming that it is in fact a disability. Unfortunately, there are a plethora of comments like these. Regardless, this is due to the numerous issues that are raising among Americans with regard to the community. The whole non-binary movement and transgenderism issues have made a significant number of people against the community. Well, I'll argue with that last statement. It's not the, the, the issues like these issues exist within those people. We don't have any. Well, I won't say we people who are not LGBTQ affiliated do not have these issues. Like This is the issue that they have. So like what, what, what is it? What is say had made a people against the community? No, what made them against the community was was when. It became my duty, my responsibility to have to like play along with this shit too. It's just like if your children start playing house, but then they get mad at you because they're supposed to be the mom and they're supposed to be the dad, but you're actually mom and dad. So now you got to like take a different role, like granddad or grandmom or something. And if you don't, they just rebel and start destroying shit and throwing and writing on the wall with crayons and fucking like just throwing shit and being destructive. Like, you'd be like, what the fuck? Hold on, hold on. God damn it. I'm the parent here. I'm running this shit. I don't give a damn what your little feeble ass mind can't conceptualize right now. You're going to clean this shit up. 
I'm going to work your ass around this house until you do. At least that's how I would do it. I understand that's not a one-size-fits-all perspective, but it fits some. <laughs> Shit, put it like that. So, this is just another example of how these people are never satisfied. There's never, like, a cutoff point. There's never any point in time where it's like they're happy. You know, they get a priority lane for checkpoints so they can get through places faster. They don't have to go through shit that, you know, people who don't have access to those checkpoints have to use. But now they're mad because they say it's a jab at them. Like, honey, why the fuck? Like, first of all, it's very, very arrogant to just think everything is fucking about you. Like, if you walk into a room and as soon as you shut the door, motherfuckers look at you and start giggling. <laughs> like, that could be about you. Most likely he is. But for you to assume it without the background information just sets you up to hold yourself. Like, they could tell you they laughing at anything. And you weren't there to hear, hear the buildup or know about the inside humor or anything to accurately dispute that. And you set yourself up by, like, feeling some type of way about somebody who wasn't even thinking about you. But you just think every time somebody does something, it's, it's about you. Like, no, that ain't how it work. Everybody ain't doing shit for you. That's just how your mind works. Because you expect everybody to operate around your paradigm. And nobody fucking has to. Like, if somebody does, I mean, I guess, whoop-de-doo, like, more, more power to you. Nobody's got to play along with this shit. Nobody. And, like, these people all base this outrage on, the, on, on assuming that someone gives a fuck about what they're saying. I've said this before. Like, you assume somebody is supposed to give a damn about your outrage for whatever reason. And most people, and I would say more people increasingly are getting to the point where they just don't give a fuck about how you felt about anything in general. Like your feelings are your business. It's your duty as a human being, as an adult, mature, independent vessel to manage your own emotions on your time and, and at your leisure. And if you fail to do that, then like, I don't see why that I... I even need to be alerted to that shit. Like, I understand I'm going to have to deal with somebody's attitude for this reason, and I accept that as a part of life. I accept that some people have matured physically and not mentally. And these people don't always lend themselves to identify which of those they, which, you know, which they've done and which they haven't. So I've got to use my ability to identify to be able to point these motherfuckers out quickly, like at a glance, triage, like, boom, okay. Whatever, slap it, slap it on this, keep it moving. Because I got shit to do. I just got to maneuver around you motherfuckers because you happen to be in the way. You know? These motherfuckers get a lane for checkpoints and now they're mad about the checkpoints because the checkpoint insists something is wrong with them. Well, yeah, disability insists something's wrong with you. Like, you're not less of a person because you broke your foot or broke your leg or something while you was at work. And now you, you handicapped. Like, that doesn't take away who you are and what you've done, your personality, your achievements and all that. But you have a weakness now. Like you are less viable than you were with, with, with two working legs. Now you have one and you're going to need assistance in order for you to maintain a comfortable a level of comfort in your life. Like for you to still be able to get around and do things and behave as you once did. That's not knocking you. That's not saying something's wrong with you, but something is wrong with you. You suffered an injury, which has permanently immobilized you to some degree. 
that's a weakness. Something is wrong with you. It's not like somebody's trying to attack your character by saying something is wrong with you. But if you can't use two legs because one is broken, the fuck? Something's wrong with you. If your car needs four tires and it got three or the fucking axle snap, something's wrong with that car. Can't be driven. What do you think? The car is supposed to get offended? Yeah, what do you mean? Are you insisting something's wrong with me? Sir, I'll have you know. I only have 65,000 miles on me in three years, okay? Like, I don't give a fuck about any of that. I don't. I'm trying to help you out. And needing help is in no way tantamount to admitting something's wrong with you. Or, you know, these people shouldn't feel any type of way. Use the fucking priority lane and shut up. And you're always going to have your bunch of posers or trollers or whatever, or people that just hop on board with this shit and just talk about it. Like, you know, it was like, oh, like that one guy, I forget, just recently, not that long ago, a couple months, it's this white guy, like Gary something. It was this white guy. I think he was in Indiana or somewhere. I forget, but he was just a, a over kind of heavy set white dude. And he came out and identified as a transracial, a transgender biracial black woman. Like, and it's like, okay, I get it. I, I, I get it. I'm with it. But you always going to have that people, that bunch of people that's going to like troll it or use it to get the inherent advantage, particularly like in, these men jumping in all these, oh, excuse me, trans women jumping in all these men's sports or men jumping in trans women, men jumping into women's sports. That shit is like off the charts now. That shit is so present day. Like they're getting a priority lane into fucking athletic success. So that means they have a weakness and their weakness is they're fucking cuckoo in the mind because they think they're a woman. The reason it's a problem is because in validating their insecurities actually disadvantages and endangers actual women, you know, who are supposed to be there because, you know, of the, it's not up for discussion. Like there's an inherent athletic inferiority that women possess. You can call it a male superiority, female inferiority, like men dominate the physical realm. That's indisputable. We're not arguing that like that. That conversation is dead. You know, that's why they have women's sports. So to just put men in women's sports like, well, OK, this is now a stupid distinction. Anything besides women in women's sports is a, is a, is a dumb ass distinction. It, it, it is no point in even having section sports anymore. Just let everybody play with anybody. You know, just got done talking about two. Uh, rugby players, three rugby players that got injured because some Canadian dude known as the hardest hitter in Canadian rugby or whatever the fuck went in there and fucking popped three women and fucked them up. They wouldn't even disclose the injuries. It's like you can't have it both ways. Like you get now things that are meant to benefit you is considered as insults. Like, so when the fuck can we ever make a kind gesture for you? Like you say, we don't need your kind gestures just because you think like, the fuck? I don't need you. And this shit's getting old. They mad because they're not disabled. Yes, you are. Something's wrong with you. People said that shit about me when I first started dressing up and I got offended. But now I understand, like, this is what the fuck they were supposed to be saying. This is what they were supposed to suspect. So it's like, how I'm going to be mad at them for drawing a, a rational conclusion? Hell yeah, you think a nigga who's never done this before suddenly goes to it ain't entertaining no questions because I don't really want my logic destroyed. Like, <laughs> I mean, come on. 
can't get mad at us when I want to be on board with this shit. And the more you do, the more you're going to make people isolate your ass, not want to fuck with you, and you're going to ruin the general reputation. You're going to be painted with a brunch that's not rep necessarily representative of you. There's going to be nothing you can do about it because this is the bed you've made for yourself. Now fucking lay in it, okay? Thank you. Come again. Have a nice day. All right. Let's take a look at this here. Courtesy of Bloody Elbow by Tim Bissell. Quote, GWOAT, greatest woman of all time, challenges Jake Paul to intergender boxing match. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to take the glasses off for these because I think. <laughs> Man, I, okay. Jake Paul has plenty of sweeters for his next opponent. One of the more surprising callouts come from an elite, box, elite boxer who also fights in the PFL. Jake Paul is coming off a ho-hum unanimous decision win over Nate Diaz this past weekend. The damp squib of a fight saw Paul outworked. <laughs> the damp squib. Jesus Christ, what a, what a horrible way to describe that. The damp squid. Squib. Excuse me, squib. What a B. Hold on, man. That shit threw me out of my whole element, dog. Like, what the fuck? All right. The damp squib of a fight saw Paul outwork Diaz, who was clearly focused on securing his bag this week and not the W in the pro boxing debut. The win for Paul restores his bragging rights, which were damaged when Tommy Fury showed us all that Paul, while a great showman, is not a very good boxer, at least when he's not paired against MMA fighters who have never competed in the sport before. A loss to Diaz would have likely spelled the end of Paul's ability to sell PPVs and would have been, would have probably meant retirement for the problem child. As it stand, but as it stands now, he has at least one more golden egg to lay. <laughs> Indeed, way to put it. Clarissa Shields wants in on the Jake Paul gravy chain. Now, if you don't know Clarissa Shields, she's from like 60 miles north of here. She's from Flint. She's the female boxer who just fucked, absolutely wrecked the competition. She's an Olympic level boxer. Like, she's the truth. Self-proclaimed, quote, Clarissa Shields, and I'm not big on this quote thing, like the greatest of all time doesn't initiate a gender. It doesn't mention a gender. It doesn't. This isn't even trans or gender ideology, like GOAT, greatest of all time, like no genders mentioned in that. Why do we got to start doing one now? But anyway, uh, self-proclaimed, quote, Clarissa Shields has called out Jake Paul, not for the first time, and promised to beat Paul should they ever square off. Quote, facts remain. I'll get Jake Paul, too, wrote Shields on Twitter, X, before adding that Paul's display against Diaz was mediocre. I didn't see a fight, but it seems like that's the consensus among this shit. The feud between Shields and Paul is at least two years old. Let's break it down. In October 2021, when Paul's star was just starting to rise in combat sports, Shields said she would, quote, embarrass the influencer if they ever fought. At this time, Shields also bristled with a suggestion that she, an undisputed champ, could appear on a Paul undercard and said it was insulting to suggest a thing. Don't tell this to Amanda Serrano, by the way. After these comments, Shields lost in her second ever MMA fight, a split decision to Abigail Montez at PFL 10 in 2021. Immediately after that loss, Paul tweeted, tweeted out, quote, the fake always get exposed. <laughs> the irony. Uh, Shields responded to challenging Paul to a $100,000 sparring match, something UFC president Dana White would have loved to see. 
what's the chance this actually happens? I mean, there's no way, right? But this is combat sports, so never say never. Despite this being the wild west of athletic entertainment, it feels very unlikely that the stakeholders who back Paul would go in on an intergender fight. The optics of such a spectacle feel too icky for us, even in 2023 when it feels like popular culture and the poorer planet are circling the toilet bowl. Jake Paul versus Clarissa Shields would certainly draw lots of eyeballs, maybe an unprecedented amount, but I still doubt that's enough to make anyone other than Shields excited for the prospect. This isn't the first time Shields has looked to take on a male competitor. Recently, she called out former WBA welterweight champ Keith Thurman, who actually accepted a fight for charity. A lot of this chatter came after videos of Shields busting up men and sparring hit YouTube. Yeah, no way Paul wants any of that. Um... Okay, I think this shouldn't happen. I don't. I, I think whilst this is a salivating prospect to consider, I think actually letting it happen sets a negative precedent. That's just that's hardly anything doesn't trend nowadays. Like if it happens once, you can rest assured it's gonna happen thirty more times. You know because that's just how everything is nowadays. Like we've got eleven. A however many Fast Fur Fast and Furious movies. Nobody asked for 11 Fast and Furious movies. These people just don't know when to stop. But that's how it is. You make one good one, you make a second good one, you make a third awesome one, you make a fourth mediocre one, and after that, psh, fizzle. But yet they keep spending hundreds of millions of dollars to destroy vehicles and do all this shit and in a very, in a very non- there's no repeat business for me there. Like, I just don't need 11 movies about this shit. I just don't. Like, if you want to make 11 movies, just turn it into a television series. Like, the pace of a television series is a lot more suited for fast-moving shit like that. Because you got motherfuckers sitting still for, like, 46 minutes at a time and shit if it's an hour-long broadcast or whatever. But, uh... I admire... Excuse me. Clarissa Shields... Uh, how do I word this? I admire her heart. I admire her vigor. I admire her 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 longing to fight men professionally in a professional in a professional you know setting. Not knowing that this is just not is is gonna end in tragedy. And that is no disrespect to Clarissa Shields. I mean, no disrespect at all. But like, even if there are a demographic of men out there, you can beat. It's not just about this one fight. The The future of fights like this happening will be based on the outcome of this fight. Like she literally would have to go undefeated. And then if she did, I think it would open the door for more women wanting to fight men during a time where the culture is already suffering so to where the respect for men is so little, even in a competitive sense. I don't think Clarissa Shields is trying to attack masculinity or attack men by wanting to fight a guy. But I would say in in some thread of the expression of that gesture, like that that promotes that message. That like she thinks so little of men males athletics and like men in general that she thinks she could step in the ring against one and be victorious and like what what she said embarrass another man like Jake Paul's a big dude he's like if I'm not mistaken he's like a little over six feet he's got to be at least a buck ninety two hundred at the minimum at the minimum so to put that man like what the what what kind of who's gonna have to go to what weight like how's this gonna be a catch weight fight 
Because if that dude walks in there at 195 and she walks in there every bit of 170, she's getting floored. Like, I don't think there's just enough... Bo like, the, her skill in boxing is offset by the, the physical attributes surrounding this fight. Like, dog is just bigger, stronger, man. Like I said, this is no disrespect to Clarissa Shields. Like, if they call her, I've not really, like, watched her fight. But if they call, I've heard about her since she she blew up in Flint. Like I said, that's 60 miles up the road. So that's that's a big thing around here. I remember when she first came up. Like, I'm no stranger to Clarissa Shields. Like, I understand she's been out there laying it to him. But. I think it's bad timing for uh to even for, for for something like this to happen in a in a reality where <clears throat> we could really handle such a prospect. But I think with all the confusion and, 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 and all the toxicity being that that's infiltrating athletics, women's athletics in particular, I don't think it's socially and culturally a good time. 2021 was no better. But until we can dampen some of this woke culture, we don't even, we, this conversation can't even be entertained. Like, it's, it's, it's bigger than just, just this one fight. Like, I see in the foreseeable future, if something like this is allowed to happen, it's going to result in something utterly disastrous one of these times. And then we're going to be looking back and asking ourselves, why did we ever deviate from this? This is a tradition that doesn't need to be touched. Yeah, you evaluate it, but it's like women should not be fighting men in in any capacity, competitively. Like, no. Not for an athletic audience or for an athletic purpose. No, this should just not happen. Uh, like I said, I'm not going to sit here and lie. Like, I haven't dreamed, thought this over in my head a little bit like, could this be something that's interesting to watch? Because I love a good fight, like, as entertainment. Like, a good fight is something I regard as entertainment. But, however, I do not want to see... I don't even want to introduce or risk the possibility of a woman getting in there and getting brutalized. Like, I don't want to have to see it live. I don't want to have to be wanting to see it after it's happened. I don't want it to happen. I don't want to even gamble with the possibility. I don't want to risk the odds Saying that, well, she could go out there. Like, yes, I will admit that she could. She definitely could. I will admit that she could if you can admit that it shouldn't have to happen just to appease people or just for to know that it's going to happen. Like, that's not a good enough reason. I don't want to see this girl get hurt just because she's sparring with guys, you know, having sparring sessions with men. Like, it's, in, my, in my eyes, it's an inevitability. And once again, I say this with the utmost respect to her. Like, I'm not trying to knock her one bit, but you don't know what you're asking for. You don't know what you're getting yourself into. And unless you tip the scales heavily in your favor somehow in whatever way you can, I think to almost any measurable extent, this is going to end poorly for that woman. And I really hope that she reconsider her position on this before it gets ugly. Courtesy of the Daily Wire. 
Amanda Harding. Let's make a deal, host. Wayne Brady reveals. Let's make a deal, host. Wayne Brady reveals he is pansexual. Move, doggy. Dog. Go back to Get down. Get down. Damn, dog. You dog will have reverence for this fucking, for this monumental event that's occurring right here. I still love you, Ushka. You know I still love you. Anywho, yeah, let's make a deal, host. Wayne Brady reveals he is pansexual. TV personality Wayne Brady has announced that he is pansexual. The host of the popular game show discussed Let's Make a Deal. No, the host of the popular game show Let's Make a Deal discussed his sexuality during a recent interview with People. It's fucking weird. Like, why? <laughs> why? Why are you discussing this with magazines as a game show host? Fucking weird, man. I just don't get it, dog. Like... It'd be different if it was like Hustler or Playboy magazine. Like, yeah, okay, I could get that. That that's their market. People, I guess, I don't know. In doing my research, both of my <laughs> in doing my research, please let me get through this Daily Wire. God damn. In doing my research, both with myself and just with the world, I couldn't say if I was bisexual because I had to really see what that was. Especially because I really have not gotten a chance to act on anything. Okay, glasses off. <laughs> what the fuck, man? How is this shit not weird? Like, this is giving me odd vibes just sitting here reading this shit. Like, bruh. I, I, I'm gonna just keep reading. So I came to pansexual beca because, and I know that I'm completely messing up the dictionary meaning. You don't get to just say that right before you use a word which, which has a meaning that's critical to the upcoming part of the sentence. And I know I'm completely messing up the dictionary meaning. Like, so use the right dictionary meaning then. What the fuck? Even though pansexual is some made-up nonsense, like, if you're going to use it within a context where you need other people to understand what you're talking about, it's a, probably a safe idea to use the actual definition of the word that other people are going to be able to vibe with and digest. Otherwise, nobody's going to know what the fuck you're talking about. I certainly don't. But to me, pan means being able to be attracted to anyone who identifies as gay, straight, bi, transsexual, or non-binary. So it's like, I, I mean, you know what? I like Wayne Brady. I've liked him since the Chappelle show skit. I'm going to try to get Wayne Brady the benefit of the doubt and not say he's a pedo. Because like nowadays, pedo children are in, identifying at this shit at teenage, young ages or whatever. And like, since sexuality is the thing that they like have to know and digest before they can even goddamn not wear diapers, you know, that's a potential person you could be attracted to, and that's not cool. That's that's unequivocally unacceptable. Zero tolerance for that shit. So I'm trying to get you the benefit of the doubt here. I took, and then what did you mean? Like, to, but to me, like, why does everybody think they get a truth? Like, a truth is not a social security number. Like, you don't just get one. You can't even apply for one. Like, you don't have a truth. Like, 
the truth is the truth. Like, it's not like three truths to a situation, like your side, the other side, and then the actual truth, and then we get to pick which truth is the truth. Like, no, the truth is the truth regardless of what conclusion we reach. Whether we get the truth or get to know the truth or can handle the truth is not, it's not, it's got nothing to do with the truth. The truth is what it is. It doesn't, it doesn't take that into consideration when it's being itself. There is some objectivity to the truth. Motherfucker, you don't just get to just, to, but to me. And these motherfuckers do that shit all the time, but to me. Everything's got some subjective meaning in regards to something that's objectively true. Doesn't work. You don't have a truth. Nobody has a fucking truth. Fuck. I took to pan to mean that not only can I be attracted to any of these people or types physically, but I could be attracted to the person that is there. GLAAD, G-L-A-A-D, an LGBTQ advocacy nonprofit defines pansexual as a person who has the capacity to form enduring physical, romantic, and or emotional attractions to any person, regardless of gender identity. So what the fuck is Wayne Brady talking about? What does he mean, but to him? Like, GLAAD is obviously the LGBTQ advocacy authority nonprofit who has a definition which they're going to run with. So what do you mean, but to you? Like, seriously, I want to know what the fuck, the, but to you, you took it to mean. So, like, you took it to mean. That doesn't mean that's what it means. So, what if you're wrong? You just say, well, but to you? Fuck are you? Who are you? You're a guy. You host a game show. You're a comedian, actor. Like, what the fuck? And once again, why is he talking about this shit with People Magazine? Like, why is this? Why do we care? Where's the demand for this shit? I don't know, man. This tastes good. Steezy. Brady was. Whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Brady was previously married to Diana Lasso from 1993 to 1995. He was married to ex-wife Mandy Takeda from 1999 until 2008 and shares a 20-year-old daughter. Oh, I hate to mispronounce this man's daughter's name. Miley Brady. I think that's Miley. Yeah, Miley Brady with her. The women described their reactions to Brady's revelation. I just said, great, as I knew coming out would help him be happier, Takeda said. His daughter Miley said, I just said, okay. Because they know he's full of shit. Like, normally when people do this and it's like a real thing or you've, you've managed to get somebody behind you on this train, like, people are happy for you. They're elated. They're excited. And they're like, I'm so happy for you. And you figure yourself out and you finally can end your journey. And there's so much more to all this shit. They just was like, yeah, I knew it. Yeah, I mean, whatever. And that's also because so many people have done this shit so so often. It's so common in society now. It's not a big deal anymore. Nobody gives a fuck what you are like. I don't care. Like, I don't even care. Like, like if I was just a fan, like if I want to be a Wayne Brady fan, know your birthday, know what city you was born in. I still don't give a fuck about who you fuck. Like who you fuck doesn't matter really in the greens in the grand scheme of things. Like not like how it matters how other people fuck. 
Brady also discussed feeling attraction to men in the past, but not wanting to admit it. Let's be really honest. I've also been attracted to certain men in my life, but I've always pushed that aside because of how I was, how I was raised. And because I live in today's world, it's scary as shit. I don't think that's a huge shock. What's the fastest way to hurt another man? I'm going to call you out of your name. I'm going to call you gay. I'm going to emasculate you. I'm going to use the F word. I learned that very early from the people around me. They're like, oh, so those are the bad things? Yeah, you don't want to be that. Brady said in an interview that he had been previously been treated for love addiction. <laughs> treated for love addiction. Like, man, the language, the euphemisms, all. What the fuck is love addiction? Like, wanting love is, is a pretty normal thing. Like, how do you get addicted to wanting love? Like, it's something inherent. I think to some degree, all of us at some point in our lives want some love. Like, we, we need it. You actually need love to flourish as a human being, like as a youth, as an infant, as a youngster. You need love. You need it. And you probably still need it even into adulthood as you, get, as you age, but you learn to realize that that's just not abundant like that. Like, you got to go out and find that love. You got to create that love. It's not just in given to you anymore. So, to like, be addicted to it. Like, I just don't understand. Like, I don't understand. That's like being addicted to, to uh, melatonin. Like, your body produces that. Of course you're addicted to it. Like, the fuck? It just doesn't. It seems weird. I was listening to Walsh earlier, and he said that he's got a TV show coming up. He's got some new shit he's working on, so... It just seems like a smart ploy to like play to the gays, right? Play to the LGBTQ. Like, this is all insane. This is just all insane. Even walking around through Ferndale, Michigan. Like, I don't even see these people really like that. Do they only come out at night or something? Like, like I saw them way more in Vegas than I ever see here. And, like, if you know anything about Ferndale, Ferndale like, just drive through it. Just, just stroll past Nine Mile. And you will, you will know. I, will, I don't need to say anything about it. I like Ferndale as a place. I don't want to, I don't want to throw shame on it at all. Like Ferndale is a beautiful little town. Like it's got a lot of restaurants and shit to do, and like the people are fairly friendly for the most part. It's extremely gay, but that's not a benefit nor a knock. That's just the the reality of it. And I, it's a place I don't mind being. I'm fairly comfortable in Ferndale. I like being around where everybody is nice and personable, and you can interact with people. You know. And I don't think all this ideology shit is so mainstream there. Like, motherfuckers are just doing what they want, and it's in a real controlled and, like, decent fashion, you know? It's not it's not really a problem for the people that live there. And, like, things work. Things work exactly how they're supposed to, as far as I see in Ferndale. I go there to eat as often as I can. Like, I love going to different restaurants in Ferndale. It's like, the, it's like the only place where I'm really a foodie, you know? I've worked in Ferndale. But drive through there, and you'll, you'll know where they stand on that shit. And I think it's real disingenuous of Wayne Brady to just all of a sudden at 51, like, is this, like, the shit like this happens when relevance is dying. Like, I was watching one of these videos of women hitting the wall or something like that. And the lady said, like, you don't have to wear an invisibility cloak to not be seen. But to stay relevant, that's, that's what's hard. And, like, if I would have to resort to this to stay relevant, I would rather fade into obscurity than, like, just pander or just be on some obvious dick-sucking shit just to, to, to start a TV show. Like, this is just... 
this shit is just not important. It's not really a story here. It's not. It's just. It's just fucking crazy. I guess to me, because I liked Wayne Brady growing up. I remember. I really got to know him from the Dave Chappelle skit where he was like, "Is Wayne Brady gonna have to choke a bitch?" Like that shit made me fall in love with Wayne Brady. Like in like back then. Like now, I'm just indifferent towards Wayne Brady. And after hearing this shit. I'm completely off put by Wayne Brady. I didn't really watch Let's Make a Deal anyways, but if he offered to make me a deal, I would say, okay, like you go away forever because like you own that bullshit now and like I will never mention your name again. Deal or no deal. That's the show. Thanks for listening uh, about episode 34. This is going to be episode 34. I've been trying to make the shift to get this podcast from just being audio to visual, but... After playing with it and like getting a feel for this broadcasting pro- uh, software I'm using and all the effort it's gonna take, like I kind of, I just, I'll be honest, I misunderestimated, uh, misunderestimated. No, you didn't hear that. I underestimated, I miscalculated how much work and time and effort. Whoops, how much work, time, and effort goes into it, and I want to be able to do both still. So I think I'm gonna continue with the normal audio-only episodes on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, and I'm going to couple them with video that I can put on the Facebook page, like anything. You can you can choose to have video on the Facebook page, but if you just want the audio experience, you just continue using Spotify as normal. And then on Tuesdays and Thursdays, instead of doing a live stream, because it's, it takes it takes some practice, and I, I and I, while I can jump in here and figure shit out real good, like I want to make sure I'm providing some quality shit and doing things the right way. So, those are probably just going to be webisodes, and it's going to be a totally different format than the podcast on Spotify. It's going to be like reactions and you know, comment finding certain. I'm gonna start. I'm building an archive of videos that like I know I can that I've got some input and some feedback on. So I can have content. So over like the next month, next month or two, there's going to be a lot of shit coming out. I'm really dedicated to this. You know, I'm glad I'm in a situation in a space where I can sit down and focus on this shit and make it a reality and stop thinking about it. And I'm grateful every day for the opportunity to provide content and start from nothing and build this into something someday in in the near future or whenever future. So once again, I want to thank you all for listening. I appreciate y'all. Um, I'm not trying to have a bunch of gaps in the episodes, but I'm just trying to experiment with how to make this a refreshing and long lasting podcast experience that can turn into something that benefits everybody that listens to it one day in the future. So, um, do I got anything else? Uh, uh, nope. Keep looking out on, on weekends for the weekend report, part two of nine mental maintenance. I'm excited about that, and I'll uh, be looking for webisodes Tuesdays and Thursdays and the normal podcast with video couplings on the Facebook page for Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Still going to try to jam out three episodes on the podcast a week and two episodes a week and the weekend report. So my hands is full. I'm constantly thinking about this shit all day long. Fret not. So for a third time, thank you all for listening. I appreciate you all. Have a wonderful day, and until next time, I holla.